Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here to talk about season five, episode 15, the infamous, your mother wears mm -hmm. army boots. Mm -hmm. The first, Which, by the way, was a, that joke, that phrase was just used on the show from last week. You're right. And I, I was thinking about where this title came from. And I said, oh, it's in the show. Cause I just heard it, but I realized that you're right. It's the prior week. So do we know why this episode is called this? Um, well, we heard it last week when Felix with the theater critics basically, I think, uh, yelled it at John Simon when John Simon walked out of the show. And uh, I think he specifically said your mother wears combat boots, which I, I've, I've only heard that. Have I only heard that here? I feel like I've heard it somewhere else. It's not, a, I guess it used to be said a lot. Probably I remember in high school. Yeah. You say it. But does is that one of the insults? Oh, maybe it's it's from the insults that oh, was, on this show. Yeah, this episode. Yeah, listen, listen to Jack Carter. Oh, okay. I, 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 we, I guess I was over that. No, no, no. Whatever Jack, Jack Carter doesn't say it, but um, it's the notion. Is no, it no, actually? it's. It, I'm sorry. I, it's said. It is said. It's okay. I I missed it being said, obviously. And I was also, it was overridden by the fact that it was so, such a big part of the last episode. Last week's right. And what's funny is it would make sense. Or, or a version would, of it. If this were actually the very next episode, the next week, but actually that episode was, as we discussed, filmed like six months earlier. Right. And I realized that what, what Felix says is your mother wears combat boots, as you pointed out, not army boots. Uh, so this is the first episode of the last calendar year of the show 1975 january 6 it's not available on paramount plus yes it is no i gave it oh no sorry <laughs> no. no i'm sorry i did uh right i watched it uh, because i provided a copy yes yes uh so we got some replies to, we had one of our questions last week when neil simon was in the show um was are the, what other examples are there of tv shows where the real life creator of the fictional people shows up as themselves. That was the original question. We got some interesting answers and also some answers that were a little bit one tier below that where the creator shows up, but not as themselves. Uh, so those examples are uh, in the final episode of Batman, the executive producers, William Dozier and Howie Horwitz show up as themselves. Um, it's an Why? episode with, so it's an episode with, uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor playing mm -hmm. the villain, this Minerva, and mm -hmm. she uses her, she uses this, um, the spa, she owns this spa. And while these people are being massaged or relaxed, they're in some sort of contrapment. Is that the right word? Contraption uh -huh. that, yeah. that, that reads their minds so that she knows where to go steal stuff from them. So these two play, you know, heightened character TV producers who have a lot of money and jewels around. And um, and so she reads their minds to steal those shoes. I went to go watch this. And she does say to Dozier, Mr. Dozier, mm -hmm. Horowitz, 
It's just him. I don't think she uses his name, but it's them. But I don't understand. Is this like a meta episode where she's well, meeting the, sh- the producers of the show? Batman is all meta. I mean, I the show is very kooky. Right. Well, 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 you're asking why, but you didn't ask why for the odd couple. So why are you asking why for Batman? No, I mean, I still don't understand in your synopsis, like, how is it that the character Jaja is playing is meeting the producers of Batman? Does she know they're the producers of Batman or they're just like doing a cameo? They're doing a cameo. But not as the producers of Batman. They're playing themselves. Whether okay. or not in the show, they know that they- You think they would have been recognized? Who would recognize them? Well, it, it, I did not expect this reaction from you. <laughs> in Los Angeles, if you're, or well, Gotham City, I guess. But oh. it, people know J.J. Abrams. People know- Okay, so they were that famous? Huh? Well, no, but it's, a, it's well, <laughs> as the person who overthinks on this podcast, you are doing a lot of overthinking. <laughs> It's the final episode of the show. As a gag, yeah. they put them right. in the cameo. So it's a, but it's a real inside joke. Yes, it's a very fan. inside joke. No one because watching. I, I, well, the reason I'm asking these questions is I don't think it's quite analogous because Neil Simon is a very well-known writer. Right. And he's identified as Neil Simon, the playwright. So but, I was just curious whether they are identified as TV producers. Yes, they are. Oh, okay, got it. Yes. They say Mr. Dozier and for Horowitz, they identify him as a TV producer. Got it. Okay. And they're playing over the size, over the top TV producers with cigars and talking about actors. Okay. Yes. They are playing themselves. Okay. <sighs> okay. The other one. Oh, yeah. Uh, more examples. Okay. Yeah. More examples. Uh, in the Honeymooners, in one of the lost episodes, Ralph says he knows Jackie Gleason. I, wait, when episode, you say lost, do you mean it's really lost? Like, so. I, maybe you don't remember this. So there's the original. I know there are ones that came out that they yes. found later. So have you they called them the lost. Is yes. Seeable. Okay. Yes. In the in the 1980s when these came out, they were called the lost episodes because up uh, to that time, no one okay. had seen them again. Well, it's a bit of a misnomer now, but it is. But it's the way to identify them <laughs> yes. from yes. the from the. Well, you really don't get it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there's an episode where all four of the actors. Uh, from the show play mm. themselves mm. because ralph is trying i think to get jackie gleason to do some, a benefit um, mm. so there's scenes where ralph is talking to art carney and ed i think is talking to jackie gleason wow playing themselves that sounds great in the twilight zone season one finale the episode is called a world of his own keenan Wynn plays a playwright who can conjure up anything that he dictates into a dictation machine and then makes it vanish when he throws the tape into his fireplace. At the end of the episode, Rod Serling starts to talk to do his normal closing narration. And he says that this story was fiction and such ridiculous nonsense can never happen. And Keenan's character looks over and interrupts him and says, Rod, you shouldn't say such things as nonsense, <laughs> ridiculous. And he goes to his bookcase. He pulls out an envelope from his bookcase that says Rod Serling. Mm. He throws it in the fireplace and Serling disappears mm-hmm. and says, well, that's the way it goes. Well, I would say that's uh, it's not quite analogous because Serling was always on the show. It know, is but he like, never interacts. But never they never inter- interact with the characters. Yes, but yes. he is always the ho- he's the host of the show. So I thought you'd be thrilled that we have three. Examples. <laughs> I think these are interesting. Uh, There's episodes, no interesting examples. You we're described. never going to get exactly as close <laughs> as this. Okay. The fact that these three exist yeah. indicates it. I these are three examples of what we asked for last right. week. Right. Yeah. You, absolutely. They're great examples. I just in a way they just remind me how unique though Fair the Simon one is because it's like. He's someone who's created the characters, but he's not active 
work actually working on the show, the, yes. the TV show. Yet he's also famous outside of the TV show. Uh, so I think I kind of still think like your I think the example you came up with like if, if Norman Lear appeared on All in the Family as Norman Lear the producer, and right. they all recognized uh, that the, would be okay. The Batman is close to that. They were recognized as that's true. TV producers. Okay, yes. Okay. I can't believe they're as famous, but that's okay. But does it matter? Yes, but they're 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 well. That's the question: is like the audience really recognizes uh, your characters would recognize? You're trying to thread a much smaller needle than I was trying to thread. Yes. Okay. I believe these are all three examples. Despite They're great, everything. great examples of television. I give them five out of five Murrays, these examples. Mm -hmm. now, sure. Examples I don't give as much, as many Murrays, but I still are, I thought, interesting to <laughs> yes, know. Okay. Uh, in the final episode of Perry Mason, the TV, the original show, Earl mm -hmm. Stanley Gardner plays the judge. Who's he? He created Perry Mason. Oh, okay. Uh, so he plays, he doesn't, he's not Judge Gardner. He's, he's the, the guy who wrote the original yeah, he created the character. He wrote Got the it. books. Perry Mason was a, a long series of books created right. by Earl Stanley Gardner. So he plays the judge in the final episode mm -hmm. of uh, Perry Mason. And Stephen Cannell, he actually acted on 20 episodes of Renegade. He played a character who was a recurring, uh, a kind of a bad guy cop. Uh, and then on the show Castle, he played himself in three episodes. And now we're getting into a little bit more just of cameos, but yeah, I thought it was. No, he didn't create Castle, but uh, Castle's about a a mystery writer, and so Cannell kind of is. So there are examples, maybe for you, not as close as <laughs> but for me, this yes. is what I was looking for from got the it. audience, and we got it. Got it. Obviously, audience Garrett thinks. Hey, wait, whoa, I do, whoa, but whoa, you can uh, put that on. You can uh, cancel him on Twitter if you like. <laughs> Okay, so who's our writer for this oh. episode? And we'll talk about the history, like how there's a famous story of how this came to be. I'll, we'll get to that a little later, but if you want to talk about the writer, who I guess was kind of yeah, doing uh, Yeoman's work. The script, the script for this episode is credited to a John Rappaport, who, we, uh, who wrote one other episode, uh, which was the one for the bunny. So that was the season four finale. Uh, so we've talked about him before, uh, as I noted, as I'm sure I noted then, he kind of, you know, has a very illustrious 1970s, early 80s career, writing for Laugh-In, Maud, uh, Bob Newhart, All in the Family, and MASH, and then kind of stopped writing and with a, without apparently dying, with not dying, but apparently still living, uh, but, uh, seems like he kind of semi retired from writing and played a key producing role on such shows as gung-ho oh the the tv version of, of the movie, movie. yeah right. yeah well, not spin-off oh, boot whatever a reboot Re uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and night court so that took him into the 90s and uh he uh his only other credit then is that he appears in a documentary called lunch which is about a bunch of hollywood comedy old com hollywood comedy writers who get together for lunch in la and he which, uh, he should have written the play i'm not rapaport but he didn't ah, now that would be also very meta yeah. so we start in the kitchen oscar's washing something in the sink he pulls it out he unfurls it and it's a rather large pair of boxer shorts which I'd forgotten about the visual gag here, and I was thinking when I watched it, 
these are really large. I think they're too big for Oscar. <laughs> and it does it become a joke later. Yeah. Uh, he puts them into the oven. He puts the boxer shorts in the oven to dry. Felix comes home. He's very excited. He yells Oscar's name. Oscar says, yeah, here. And Felix says, Oscar, you son of a gun, you devil. Hmm. Now, while Felix is saying this, Oscar is trying to clean up the suds that are all over the floor because he's been, I don't know why he's washing his boxer shorts in the sink, but he's Oscar. So he's trying to use, and he's wearing socks that have no toes on them. Did you notice I that? did not notice that, no. It's so, so weird. Wait, there are huge holes in his socks. Is what you're it, Where there, the... it looks like, you know how you, there's gloves that don't have the, the, uh, the finger? Finger, I see. Okay. There's socks that don't have any place. Are there really? You think they're supposed to be? I, they looked, I, it's weird, but they yeah. didn't look cut up or beaten up. It okay. looked like they had been li- like deliberately okay. cut off. So hmm. it was odd. Hmm. Odd couple, odd. Um, odd so he's, use, he's using his socks to try to sweep up these suds on the floor. Felix comes in and says, congratulations. Oscar says, what, what? And then Felix notices the floor and says, what is this? What are you doing? And he says, never mind. And he has a newspaper in his hand. And he says, he shows it to Oscar and he starts to read from it. Alex Karras will be missing from Monday Night Football for two weeks because of a film commitment. Among those being considered as a third man with Howard Cosell and Frank Gifford is well-known sports columnist, Oscar Madison. Now, of course, we have another meta moment. Hey, look at that, yeah. Because Alex Karras acted on The Odd Couple playing <laughs> Jake, Jake Metcalf in season four, episode four, That Was No Lady. And I believe you mentioned at the time that that was part of his fame was, was as a broadcaster. Yes, right. I wonder if he was already on Monday Night Football. That was uh, like... What, I, think, I think when he did that, I think we said at the time he was. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember mentioning Monday Night Football as part of his resume. I think it was a short-lived yeah, thing. Okay. I think he was. But is this, not to open up another topic that we'll get real sort of feedback on that you will shit on, later <laughs> but is this the only actor on who has appeared on the show who's referenced later that's a good that's a great question um i uh i mean there's no louis gus mesh mentions unfor- sadly and, and 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 uh unjustly no but i feel but, like this uh, is the only i will one. think about that i mean certainly there have been references to howard cosell on episodes yeah so on. not so this is a, an actor playing a different character <laughs> yeah, yeah, not right, right, someone right. playing themselves or monty hall well yeah. there haven't been that many that's famous true actors that's true that's true so, but i will try to think of that i mean by the way been, yeah this it would have been even it would have been even more meta if the uh, newspaper article said alex Karras is leaving monday night football to do a television show instead yes. of a movie and a yes. television show called the odd couple well that's it would be a little <laughs> absurd uh so oscar says um i read it i read it so felix says so you're being considered for one of biggest broadcasting's biggest plums and all it rates from you is a so and now oscar starts to dry his hands on the kitchen drapes and that leads to uh the first uh clip look what he's doing I'm not even involved. I give it a whoopee. Well, save your whoopees. It's only a one-shot. Karras is coming back, you know. This could lead to bigger and better things. College football announcing. The Olympics. You get to go to Moscow. I'm not going to get the job. Well, how do you know you're not going to get the job? Look at this. Because Howard Cosell hates me. Remember what I wrote about him two weeks ago? I call him the mouse that bored. (laughs) Yeah, but who reads your column? (laughs) 
Maybe somebody read it too. When I read about this Monday thing, I called him twice. He didn't return either call. I'm telling you, I think he still carries a grudge. He'll return my calls. Why? Do you know what Howard Cosell loves more than anything else in this world? Himself. <laughs> more than that. Who? Martina Arroyo, the great opera singer. That's right, and he's an opera buff, right? He's a bigger opera groupie than I am, and I'm the guy who followed Joan Sutherland into a telephone booth and nearly suffocated. <laughs> he's insane about Martina Arroyo. Damn, you didn't tell him. How's he going to help me? I'll introduce him to Martina Arroyo. He'll owe me a favor. You'll cash in. One hand washes the other. Well, you'd never understand much about washing, would you? Oh, but that's a terrific idea. If you set it up, I think it'll work. I mean it. <laughs> So some visuals there. Uh, Felix tries to mop up the suds with the newspaper. When so when the ding is the oven being uh, is ready with Oscar shorts, and he pulls them out. They're very tiny shorts. Not only that, but they he put a big pair of boxer shorts in the oven. These look like briefs. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, it's not the same pair of shorts. The so. oven uh, certainly did a did a big job on that. So this, this episode is very infamous in the Odd Couple lore because it exists because there was a, I don't know how this happens. There was an accidental double booking of guest stars between Tony Randall's desire to have Martina Arroyo on and Oscar have, or Jack having Howard Cosell again. And I, I, I remember reading that when I was reading the Rip Stock book, like in 1983, because I think it says it in there. I did find an article, which I'll quote about where Gary Marshall talks about this. I just, it sounds too, it sounds like a publicist story to explain <laughs> why a bad episode exists. So there was an LA Daily News article from 1989. There was an odd couple retrospective in Los Angeles. And Marshall said, I said, boy, I said to the writers, boys, we got a tough one for you. We've got an opera singer and Howard Cosell. Marshall, that's what Marshall said. They said, how about a love story? We said black opera singer. So uh, if I understand, it's a, it's a strange quote because is what Gary Marshall is saying, like they, the first thought was to make it a romantic, to have them fall in love with the opera singer, but because she's black, they couldn't do that. I, that's what I picked up from that story, okay. which was, which is an odd. <laughs> strange moment. way for him to tell that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I probably could have found a better quote is the first thing I found. And I thought, oh, yeah, no, I'm not faulting you. Okay. Uh, now, as far as I can tell, I don't think Cosell likes opera. Like, I don't think, I think that is a fictional uh -huh. device. It seems doubtful, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Martina Arroyo, who is, uh, it's weird that Oscar never says, how do you know her? Or though, I guess maybe he, he, he already knows how Felix knows her. Or he assumes that Felix knows everyone every about famous opera. opera singer well uh, he knows i don't know but he knows her personally she worked okay. as a teacher a social worker while she was training to be a singer in the i think 60s or 50s she became well known first with the zurich opera as the principal singer she played aida many times which wasn't that the main character played by the other opera singer what's her name Horn. yeah uh it, it's a it's a very popular role okay she played at the Met, where she became, that became her home. Uh, she traveled a lot to perform. Uh, she retired in 1989. She's still with us. So another. That's very nice. Yes. And she later, she, she was a, a 
as far as American opera singers go, a very big star. And she was awarded a Kennedy Center uh, award uh, not too long ago. Do they mention the opera? Tribute to her career. For her I don't think they, show? Yeah, I don't think it was for the. Oh, okay. Uh, the Joan Sutherland joke, uh, I, I looked up, a, there's a New York Times article in 1970 where she refers to herself as weighing 220 pounds. To Joan Sutherland referring to herself as? Yes. Not Martino Arroyo. No, but because <laughs> Felix makes that joke about Joan Oh, Sutherland. right, right, being stuck in it. Yeah, it's a fat right. joke. Right. Which yeah. sounds a little bit more like I, a Kate Smith type of joke. Yes, well, like, Joan Sutherland was kind of the Kate Smith of the opera. Of opera? Okay. <laughs> uh, can I just say that while I agree it seems doubtful, it would be surprising to learn that the real Howard Cosseau was really an opera buff. For the purposes of the show, I could believe it, you know, as just one of his eccentricities, because he's kind of an eccentric character. What, where they push it too far in the writing to say that he's, what the thing he loves most of anything is not just opera, but Martina Arroyo. Yeah. Like, she wasn't the most famous opera singer in the world. And so I, I, I think that's was an unnecessarily unnecessary excess. They like, could have just said he's a huge opera fan and he would probably love to meet Martina Roy. Yeah. But I guess they wanted to amp up the stakes even more. So after the credits, we see I also who, say oh, yes. Going Go back a little bit to the clip, he said when Oscar's saying all the bad things he said about Cassell, he says, I called him the mouth that bored. And actually in the previous Cassell episode, is where he called him the mouth that roared, which is a play on the mouse that roared, which was a comedy, popular comedy film from the- So 60s. you're pointing out he's, he's said the mouth that bored and the mouth that roared in two different episodes. The yeah, the first Cosell he calls, it, it's, it's in his column, uh, he, where he lists all the insults that people call you this. And he said the, they, the, the joke was the mouth that roared because there was a movie called The Mouse That Roared. And now they're reinventing that joke as The Mouth That Bored. So I thought that was clever. But what's not clever is, isn't it surprising that no time in this episode do they mention that Oscar was already on Monday Night Football? Was that, uh, yeah, I get, that was, <laughs> was that Monday Night, that wasn't another. Oh, was well, it, it was, a, he, he was in the booth Right. With Howard Cosell right. on the air talking about the football game. But did they identify it as Monday Night Football at the time? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. But um, but it's just weird that, that there's no reference at all in this episode to yes. the previous right, which is, episode. Of course, happens all the time on this show. So. Right. Well, with Monty Hall, at least they did. You know, they went as That's far true. as the show. That's right. That was they the did. only time yeah. they've shown a clip from the show. Yeah. A previous odd couple, which it's that was maybe not the best choice, but they at least you know, built, built on the fact that they had been on Let's Make a Deal. Uh, in this case, it's just implied that, like, the only sign of that I saw is that Felix seems to, there's acknowledgement that Felix knows Cosell already. Oscar. No, Felix, well, not only Oscar, which is assumed, but even the fact that even Felix. Oh, I see, yes, seems right. familiar, I mean, like, knows <clears throat> him personally. That seems a result of the first one where he didn't. It does seem like they are when when Oscar says Cosell hates me, I thought they were alluding to that prior episode, even though they may have forgotten right. the details of it. Yeah. So I think they're doing it. They're doing it half assed. Yes. Uh, so after the credits, we see Felix hosting the what he is calling the Lexington Avenue Opera Club of Central Park West. <laughs> which before, now why would he call it that? 
Before, Why would he call it that, Ted? Oh, I, you know what? I didn't even think about that. You're right. He does call it that. So actually, I mean, is, is that the first reference to them living on no, Central the, Park? No, the first reference is Central. Well, wait a minute, Ted. You th- are you saying they do live on Central Park? Lot? Well, I'm saying this is the first time. No, the that- first time was in the car episode. Oh, that's right. But Felix they say says it, to John yeah, Biner, yeah. he just says the cor- uh, 75th Street in Central Park West is where they're where they live or where they're looking apart. Right. Uh, so, OK, so, yes. So here they're truly they are in the in the minds of the writers or Tony Randall trying right. to get away from 1049 Park Avenue. Yeah. And the it op- is. Well, it's also funny that the, I never thought before how the Lexington Avenue Opera Company would club. they didn't have to make this change sorry club they didn't have to make this change because the, they don't live at the club you know so <laughs> it, it, but i guess in their minds they called it the lexington avenue opera club because they lived on park which is one block away from lexington oh right so it's, you're right so i you're guess right. it really was like something for the neighborhood and for some reason <laughs> yeah this is this is okay for anyone who really wants to argue that they moved this would probably be the only line you could really put out there some kind of evidence of something well except they moved into an apartment that had the exact same layout (laughs) i know so i don't i know i still do not buy that but there's but it is funny that they or you just changed the name of the opera club right i mean clearly their club moved look it for us as we've said for 80 episodes they live at 1049 park avenue that's canon it's the name of our podcast that's part of that can't be wrong. The fun of doing this podcast was to play around with these things. We believe yes. they live at 1049 Park Avenue. They've made a little effort to get away from that yeah. because I, I we assumed at the time that the building complained about all the attention they were getting. And the best way to get around it was to go where Tony Randall lives. Because- oh, he lives. And I have a theory that because the only two times we have heard Central Park West come from Felix, yeah. I think it's for some reason Tony Randall is the one I who agree. this thing. He think he wants them to live on Central Park West in his building. I agree. <laughs> um, so he says, today is the greatest day in our history, for we're, bu- we're being honored with the appearance of one of the world's greatest opera singers, Miss Martina Arroyo. So he extends his hands, pointing to the hallway, and she comes walking out. This is, I never thought about this before. This is bizarre. So he has a guest come over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's there first. Mm-hmm. And she, he tells her to go wait in the other room mm-hmm. while these people come in. They probably don't come in at the same time and settle down. So for like a half an hour or an hour, mm-hmm. I'm going to say half an hour, she's sitting in some room reading, watching TV. <laughs> what is she doing? Okay. Good. So, so I, I guess, he... wait, 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 before you answer, I understand the theatricality of this. I understand he likes to be right. impresario. Right, right. But let's think about the real Mm-hmm. major star you have in your apartment who you're mm-hmm. a, a person of color by the way you're asking <laughs> to go to the back of the apartment okay. and sit around and wait while you introduce someone and no one can see them so there's eight people there so they all don't come in at the same time so some come in at 5 10 10 10 whatever time so she's going to sit around and wait now depend it okay so clearly you have never given a presented a performance in your apartment correct <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure I have either, but uh, I've been to people presenting some kind of performance in their apartment. And she remember, she's not just there to hang out at the party. She's there to perform. She's there yes, to sing. Right. So not only does Felix want to give her a proper entrance, but what would you do in a theater? You'd have a dressing room. 
or a green room, and you would have somewhere to sit, prepare. You know, maybe she doesn't want to mingle and have snacks right before she's about to sing an aria. So that's that's a that's a uh, courtesy to the performer to give them a room, hopefully not Oscar's room, or maybe one of the spare rooms that they talk about to be her dressing room basically and to warm up or whatever. She gets paid for those. That's her job. This seems to me like she's at somebody's home okay. to meet a group of people and you want to relax and not be on. And yes, but she, she's no, she is on. She's going to come out but and sing. Yes, she's aria. gracious enough to sing for these. But that's not spontaneous. That's like they are there to not only meet, they are here there to hear her sing and then meet her. But there's no reason. It's a mini she, concert. He can't be mingling with everyone, chatting. <laughs> Okay. Sitting down, just like other opera singers on this show, including the guy with, well, not me, the guy the cave doesn't sing, including the guy, who, what's his name? The, the, the bald guy. He was not in this episode, oh. by the way. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Felcher or whatever his yeah. name. So why, she could just be mingling with everyone and sitting, and then she sits in a chair, and now she presents her, and she gets up and sings. Like, that could happen, too. I understand, yeah. So I, I knowing her character that we know, and she says, I like to clean up. Yeah, I'm yeah. Compulsive. It doesn't. It, I think it would be odd for her to sit in Felix's room because mm -hmm. that's the only place to sit mm -hmm. doing nothing. At least mm -hmm. backstage, there's people attending to her and she mm -hmm. can practice and there's people paying $50 mm -hmm. at the time mm -hmm. to see her. Mm -hmm. I think this is weird to ask a major star to sit in a room while you bring them on. Okay. All right. I, I don't know why I'm apologizing, but I find it weird. Do you, do you still not find it weird? <laughs> uh, I agree with you that she, it, when we meet her, she is a very down to earth, comes across as a very down to earth person who is not aloof. And so based on her character, you might imagine she wouldn't mind. But, but she is a big star in the opera world and some stars don't want to mingle too much. Well, then why would she go show okay. up here? Why right, is she I, here? I, I, good question. Why is she here? Good question. So she and Felix, she comes out, she and Felix hold hands. It looks like they know each other. I mean, that's what we've been told is yes. they're kind of friendly. Yes. So she sa he says, now we're all dying to hear you sing, Miss Arroyo, and she will in a minute. We're waiting the arrival of one more superstar. And he turns to her and says, we appreciate this so much. And she says, anything for you, Felix. Well, now we find out how they know each other. I forgot this. <clears throat> You're the only photographer going to make me look like Twiggy. Which is another fat joke because Martina yes. Arroyo is a is a not you know somewhat full-figured or very curvaceous rubenesque i i don't yeah we could say that so felix laughs when uh she says this and then uh, the doorbell rings and that's going to lead us to our next clip there he is there he is well <laughs> How are you, Howie? Don't call me Howie. Miss Arroyo. For me, the culmination of a life's dream. Thank you, Mr. Purcell. At my suggestion, Mr. Arroyo is going to sing an aria especially for you. I am overwhelmed, my dear. Thank now, you. Sit down, guest yes. of honor chair. Here we are. Oh, don't you look nice? Look how nice. <laughs> you don't have a little ABC on your chest there. <laughs> Congratulations, Unger. You can read ABC. Next week, we'll have you up to D. <laughs> Such a kidder. <laughs> All right, now, 
Professor Royo will sing Tacea la Notte from Il Trovatore. So after that, she sings, which we're not playing if you want to go listen to opera by Martino Royo. Yeah, by Martino Royo album. She sings for 90 seconds. And then uh, in the scene that you did hear, Cosell gets on one knee and he kisses the back of her hand. Um, then and then the audience applauds after she um, after she sings, and then we get a new clip. Wasn't that exciting, Howie? Don't call me Howie. <laughs> All right, Unger. I guess I owe you one. Yeah, well, that's sort of what we figured. <laughs> what is it you want me to do? It, it, it's not for me. It's for Oscar. More than anything on earth, he wants to be on Monday Night Football. Unger, that's out of my hands. I don't tell the network who to hire. Mr. Cosell, I'm quite surprised. A man of your great influence, and you can't do anything for Oscar? I don't know why Muhammad Ali talks to you. <laughs> going down a peg in her eyes just because you don't like oscar are you kidding i'd love to have oscar i think he'd be terrific well, i thought you were mad at him i am the man has written tasteless things about me in his column and i can't think of a better way to get even than by having him on my show i don't understand let me elucidate, Unger. You're a little slow. Monday Night Football is a big hit because in addition to seeing the game, the viewers love to hear the three of us trade insults. Yeah. Heap abuse yeah. the one upon the other. Yeah, yeah. And with a witless boob like Madison in the booth, I'd have a fielder. You know I'm going to do it, Miss Arroyo. You have convinced me, my dear. I am going to insist on using Oscar Madison. Oh, wonderful. Oh, think nothing of it, my dear. Thank my you, pleasure. Mr. Cassell. By the way, Unger, your apartment is furnished in questionable taste. <laughs> and, oh, yes, Miss Royal, I hope I have the opportunity of repaying the favor soon. Perhaps I... She'll do an aria for you. Goodbye, Mr. Cassell. My dear, you may call me Howie. <laughs> so we're back in the living room after that. Do you have anything to add on that clip? Uh, he is singing an aria from Carmen as he walks out. Uh, the guests have gone. Uh, Martino Royo is cleaning up teacups and Felix is putting furniture back. She says, he says, oh, no, 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 Miss Arroyo, you don't have to do that. And she says, oh, I can't even leave a room without cleaning up. I'm compulsive that way. Felix grabs her hand and says, wonderful, what a wonderful way to be. I'll get your coat. <laughs> so he goes, you know, she's actually very good in this, I think. She's very charming. They both. For someone, yeah. I know, well, Cosell, we know, is always great at playing himself and making fun of himself, but you know, just Martina Roy, who's uh, has to act as an opera singer and didn't really do any. I mean, she has a, a few, two or three other TV credits, but uh, you know, she's she's just charming in this. Oscar comes home very excited. Felix is back in the 
I guess his the green room, as you call it, getting her coat. <laughs> uh, and Oscar comes in and is saying Felix's name. Very excited. He bounds in, drops his coat on the floor. He sees Martina Roya and says, oh, hi. She looks at the coat on the floor and says, hi, you must be Oscar. And he says, yes. Felix comes out and says, Oscar, ah, you met Miss Arroyo, huh? And he says, who? And she, he, Felix says, this is Martina Arroyo. Oscar says, oh, hi. He shakes her hand. And he notices that she's been cleaning up and says, you make her clean up too? And Felix says, she's compulsive that way. She's a neat freak. And Martina Arroyo says, yeah, I like to help. And Oscar says, will you sure help me? I got that job. So if he knows that he, she helped him get the job, why does he say who? Well, he, well, maybe he only remembers that there's an opera, there's some opera singer that Felix knows who's going to set this up, and he forgot her name. But if, if, if <laughs> he just he didn't home, recognize the name. Okay, but there's a person you've never discovered in your house. Well, he knew that he was having a bunch of people right. over. He, there's no way to identify her as the opera singer. All right. I mean, I guess I can't say you're wrong factually, but I think <laughs> it it's, a little, yeah. it's weird that Absolutely. they put that in the show. Like yeah. that is a real life thing. Right. But why do they have that in the diet? Unless Oscar, unless Klugman did something here. Why is that in the script? Um, well, they want them to meet. Okay, but they don't know each other. When Felix says, oh, you've met Miss Arroyo, Oscar says, I yes, see. I uh -huh. have. Thank you so okay. much. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Martina Roy says, you got it? Oscar says, yeah, that's why I rushed home. I got a call from the network. See, I'm going to do one game with Cosell. He's going to announce it on his radio show. And Felix says, Oscar, you can't take that job. Oscar says, what? Felix says, you can't take that job. Oscar asks why. And Felix says, just believe me, you can't do it. Oscar says, Felix, I would kill for that job. If I'm good, they'll put me on wide world of sports. Felix says, he wants to cut you up. He wants to expose you as a buffoon and a boob. Those are his words. Mm -hmm. Oscar says, you mean he wants to give me the job so he can make a fool out of me? Felix says, that's right, in front of 40 million people. Oscar says, I don't believe that. Felix says, I'm telling you the truth. You can't take it. You better be prepared, which is conflicting advice. He says, you right. can't take it. You better and be prepared. Better prepare. <laughs> well, I guess it's the implied missing sentences, and if you do. Yes. But what's, isn't it also weird that Oscar thinks this would be so unlike Cassell to do that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Does he not know the man? Yeah, it is. Did he just say he has a grudge against me? Yep. It is weird that he doesn't believe Felix at first. Oscar says, I don't think I have. Oh, to by the way, remember yes. last, uh, I think it was during big broadcast or something, I mentioned that Howard, that's when they reference Howard Cosell having a they they mentioned Howard Cosell I think in the context of like people like mean when T Felix was trying to get Oscar to be mean on the radio right I think he anyway there's a reference to that and then we were talking about like did Howard Cosell have a radio show and I said yes he did because we hear it on the odd couple and this is the episode of, if you remember a couple scenes ago I don't I I know I don't remember having that conversation with you at the time <laughs> but I do, rem do you remember 20 minutes ago when yes when, yes okay. yes and we're about to play the Oscar okay. listening to that or yeah oh i'm sorry i'm i'm, I'm i we didn't hear it yet that's is what i'm i am introducing he, this clip. well he references the radio show just a second okay. ago okay. i said i just quoted that oh okay yeah uh okay oscar says i don't think i have to prepare i don't think he's as big an ogre as everybody makes him out to be which is now again conflicting <laughs> with everything we've heard 
uh, I'm going to listen to him on the radio. So Felix turns to take Martino Royal home. Felix says to her, he won't listen to me. He's a very, very strange man. And she says, I know, I found his shorts in the oven. <laughs> Which is a funny callback. I'm not yeah, sure why yeah. they're still in the oven, but it's a funny callback. <laughs> And the wine gets a big laugh. Yeah, why? <laughs> he never, he put them back in after he took them. Or maybe he does another pair every day. So they leave, and that leads to. Hey, short, by the way, shorts in the oven, I forgot. Uh, uh, another example, another Seinfeld moment that may be a, a callback to the odd couple. Uh, remember the episode where Kramer gets, starts putting, hit, drying his yes. shirts in the oven? Right. That's and he right. Looks, finally finds a pizza oven to do it? Yes. I wonder if that is. It's you a, said Andy Ackerman, you know. Yeah, he's the, the link. Yep. Although, steal that from such steal such a momentary thing from such a unliked episode. I know it doesn't have to be stolen. It doesn't have to be deliberate. I don't mean stolen. I mean, I know it doesn't have to be a direct homage. Yeah. It, it's just neat that it shows up in both shows. All right, now we're gonna play a, a clip. I are after you, the college is considering dropping football, and even your children have had their names legally changed. Let's prepare a little. Coach Carter has just written out his resignation. I told you I'd get him, and I got him. I'll prepare a lot. Let me turn sound up. No, 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 no. We're going to make our own sound. Why? Next week is Oscar's turn to do the game, so we're going to have a simulation, a real broadcast, right here. Hey, can I say hello to my mother? Yes. <laughs> Sit down. I've really been studying a lot. I've memorized the number of every football player. Fine, but how will you respond to Howard Cosell's sarcasm? That's the problem. Wit, I'll top him every time. Don't worry about that. Now, okay. here are our microphones. You take that. Can, can I have the egg beater? Give him the egg beater. I'll be Howard Cosell, you'll be you, you'll be Frank Gifford. Hey, he's the cute one. Great. <laughs> now I'm gonna treat you mercilessly just the way Cosell will, Great. so respond in kind. Don't hold back Don't the venom. Let me have it. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. Now, keep your eye, we'll do the game. <laughs> Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Howard Cosell bringing you the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. With me in the booth is my indestructible sidekick, the Gifford number 16, Frank Gifford. How does today's gridiron pairing strike up with you? Well, Howard, it's obvious these two squads came out here to play today. I'm looking forward to a real Donnie Brooke. And a big hello to Mrs. Fanny Greshler of Miami Beach. Will she be able to see me? Thank you, Gip. Also with us in the booth is a man who has been writing a sports column for 16 years and still hasn't learned how to get it right. One of America's true illiterates, Oscar Madison. Same to you, Howard. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? What a quick wit. Ah, uh, shut up. Well, you got me that time, Madison. So's your old man. A renaissance man with a Neanderthal mind. Now your mother wears army boots. Come on, guys, we got a game to do. What are you doing? What Come is that? Stop. That's not wit. So's your old man. Oh, oh, what's witty? What is witty? What witty names say? That's what's witty. Like what? Emerson said, a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. 
And how often does Hobgoblin come up during a football game when a guy misses a forward pass? De La Rochefoucauld said, there is something in the misfortunes of even our dearest friends which is not entirely displeasing to us. Is that what he said? Yes. Well, I'm going to get the help of a professional. Who? The wittiest man I know, Joey Bernie. Joey Bernie? Yeah. The nightclub comic? He can make jokes on anybody. You know what he said to Queen Elizabeth? What? Don't fall down and break your crown. <laughs> that was in Earl Wilson's column. It's one of Earl's pearls. I'm sorry, Emerson never made Earl's pearls. He's on the 30. He's on the 20. He's on the 10. Touchdown, giving Pittsburgh an early lead. By the way, aren't the cops doing a great job of crowd control? So there it was. Your mother wears army boots was in this scene. I forgot which scene it was in. Oh, right. Um, that scene, first of all, it, could, it should be funnier. He does a good Howard Cosell. Yeah, he does. He, he, now I know Howard Cosell was was for many years the most the, everyone could do a Howard Cassell imitation right? he was the most widely impersonated person because of his style of speaking so I suppose it's not that challenging to do a Howard Cassell but Tony Randall was a pretty good one um does that do you remember that clip that scene from the tv version you know, that's funny you should ask it because I was just thinking how I do not remember that it you know as like when it came on watching it this week I did not recall it. So I did check the decades version because uh, I had been taping them. And uh, it was in that one. But again, there were different rounds of cuts in the syndication. So the, it's, it probably was not in the version we grew up with. So in the scene, the three of them are sitting on the couch facing the TV. They each have different kitchen utensils they're using as microphones. Uh, Earl Wilson was a gossip columnist in New York. He worked at the New York Post from 1942 to 1983. They called him the saloon editor, and his column was called It Happened Last Night. And he'd go around to various New York City hotspots hmm. and pick up on whatever gossip he could. Uh, so he was a very big New York City name at the time. They referenced Joey Burney. We'll see him in the next scene that we play. He's played by Jack Carter, who apparently was another part of the double booking problem, as far as I read. Oh, really? Yeah. Not just a deliberate attempt to pack it with Night of a Hundred Stars. I don't think so. He was a well-known nightclub comic. He hosted TV shows in the very early days of TV, including on DuMont Network. He was a Las Vegas comic. He was on Ed Sullivan, did impressions of Ed Sullivan. He did some Broadway. He hosted the first televised Tonys. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Hey, what, speaking of what you just said, what was the Dumont network? So in the early days of television, Dumont was the fourth broadcast network. So uh, it really was, it wasn't just a, a, a company. I mean, it was, it was actually a, its own network, not yes. a NBC, CBS. Right. It was a, it was in the, be, in the beginning of television, there was a Dumont television network. Um, it's where Jackie Gleason got his start. Right. Um, and what happened to it? It folded out, folded, it folded. It went off. It went out of business. I don't remember the. But pretty early on. The reason, yes. Um, I think it was off by 1956. I'm just looking it up here uh, is when it was off. It's named after a guy named Alan Dumont, who created, was a manufacturing, the, his company manufactured television equipment. Um, oh. And uh, it began in 1942, actually. So, um, but it 
because it always comes up, especially in the history of comedy. So like they were pioneers in a way of early television comedy. Yes. And Gleason famously moved from Dumont to CBS Got it. Uh, because CBS was able to, I think, pay him more because Dumont, I think, never really found success for reasons. I mean, there are books written about Dumont Network, um, and I think I read one a long time ago, but I don't remember the details. But I do have like, I do have among my TV memorabilia collection, I think I have some tickets to a DeMont live TV wow. show if uh, somewhere, because I just wanted yeah, something. I guess, I guess those won't work anymore. No, they will not. Um, so that's the, so uh, Jack Carter. So the next scene, Oscar's pacing around the living room. He's holding one of those utensils. He's trying to come up with a way to like reply to Cosell's insults. He can't. And then the doorbell rings. Uh, we're going to play the clip of the whole Jack Carter scene. There's a bunch of jokes he makes that are related to visual things he's doing, <laughs> which I'm not going to try to explain them. Yeah. So they go to they go by too fast. <laughs> right. And they're not they're not funny enough to explain. Some of them involve some. Well, he'll, he'll, he narrates. Some. Yeah, he kind. I think you can think kind the, of get it. The thing I guess the only thing I would start the listener off with is that he comes in on his knees yes right that is the one to worth note to to note for the start of the clip hey to lose the trek my bermuda shorts ready <laughs> i gotta get out of here wharton i can't eat this slop anymore <laughs> Oh, I went to Havana. No wonder those goes for forty nine fifty. Asylum butter. Hello, hello. It's all right? Okay, all right? Okay. I came right over the minute I got your message, Oscar. How do you feel? You look terrible. I just came back from a doctor. He told me I got the body of a 25-year-old. I said, don't tell my wife. She'll make me give her back. Listen, Joe. What a place. It's done an early disaster. Look at this. Fruit and people are starving in Yugoslavia. Wax fruit. What are you expecting? Wax people? Quick impression, Madame Uspenskaya. Mm. Come on, show me, please. Look, I want you to do me a favor. What, what, what? I need what? some insults. Put downs. Insults? Yeah. Oh, put downs. Yeah. Insults. Insults. Yeah. Let me see. My wife is so ugly, I take her everywhere. It's better than kissing her goodbye. No, no, <laughs> oh, she has long black hair. Luckily, she has long gloves to cover her. No, listen, what I said, Joey. That's a goodie. I'm rolling. I know you are, but see, it's not a woman that oh. I want to insult. What, a turkey, a no, hockey no, puck? A man. A man. A man. A chair, a table. A man. A man. Oh, a man. A man. Uh, hey, buddy, give me a blueprint of your brains. I'm building an idiot. <laughs> you may be strange, but you're exceptional. You're exceptionally strange. No, you get it? That's not so good. Oh, I got one now. If brains were dynamite, you wouldn't have enough to blow your nose. How'd you hear that one? I just bought it. No, they're terrific. See, but look, these are for someone specific. Specific? Yeah, Howard Cosell. Howard, Howard, Howard Cosell? Yeah. Oh, Cassell, you mean the, the sports That's guy? The guy yeah. Oh, the big guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the one with the long playing tongue and a hi-fi head. Good. Yeah. I got it. You say to him, hey, Cassell, I'd like to see evil Camille jump over your mouth. Huh? <laughs> yeah, with your tongue and a loaf of bride bread, you could open a delicatessen. Huh? That's good, yeah. Hey, Cassell, why don't one of your relatives die and leave you a little town? That's good. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Okay. Cassell, I got two words to describe you, tall and cheap. Good, good. Listen, why don't you go home, yeah. think about it, write them out. We I'll write them out. See you okay. in about a week. Yeah. Remember the words of Alexander Graham Bell, who said to his wife in bed, what do you mean my three minutes are up? <laughs> so I assume that he just ad-libbed that whole thing. Right, he's doing a Robin Williams, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> that, that last joke, yeah, nice. 
nice uh, flashback to uh, old AT&T <laughs> long distance calling. Right. My three, your three minutes are up. <laughs> uh, he's not that funny. No, I well, I, th I like how he makes fun of even that. Like that one's not so good, you know. Right. Uh, it, I think the point is just the the uh, the rapid fire of it, yep. and and I think for the purposes of the show, the way Felix will talk about him, he's not necessarily supposed to be a great comic. It is a little surprising that he doesn't really know who he knows who Cassell is, but I mean, Cassell was a huge person at the time. And oh, he, goes, he, oh, he recognized. Of course, he recognized. But nobody says, "Oh, Cassell, oh, the, oh, sports, so the guy. sports guy." Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He should know. Like, if I said you, I want you to make jokes about Jay Leno, yeah. you wouldn't say, oh, "Oh, the guy used to host this." Like, he would just know what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe he's not a big sports fan. I, I neither am I. But funny I that he, he keeps he keeps referencing how tall because he doesn't. He seems to barely know who Cazell is, and right. but knows that he's very tall. Yeah, the big guy. Jack Carter, because Jack Carter just met him backstage. But it's not something that was obvious about Cosell. No, I I only know that from seeing him on on the Odd Couple, which is more reason why it's weird that he doesn't know him. I mean. I, you're suggesting Jack Carter doesn't know him. I'm saying Joey Bernie doesn't. No, no, I wasn't. I didn't mean to suggest oh, that. I mean, okay, but I mean Jack Carter probably just noticed that Cosell is tall. Right, right. So the next. By shot, the way, speaking, I guess yes, since yes. we're talking about Cosell again, yeah, I am like I was for the last Cosell show. It is remarkable how he already by this point. Now we're in 1974. Five. Well, filming of well, 74. Right. Film, yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Um, like just how iconic he immediately was in the early seventies, yeah. like in pop culture. Like he was in two Woody Allen films. Well, he's no, he's in Bananas as himself, and then in Sleeper, which is around the same year. He there's a great joke with Cosell, where because uh, Sleeper is the one where Woody Allen wakes up in the future, yeah. and the people are showing him artifacts from the nineteen seventies, and they show him a clip of Cosell just talking on a Wide World of Sports. And they say, we have a, we don't know what this is, but we have a theory that when people in your society <laughs> broke the law, did terrible crimes, they were forced to watch this. Yeah. And, and Woody says like, yes, that's exactly right. That's what this was. <laughs> so it's amazing, he, like the, the negative feelings about him, but it's kind of like it was in, it was like sort of he's the man you love to hate kind of thing. Yeah. And all the impersonation that like Felix does, like the fact that Felix does an impersonation of him, it's like, he, all the things we know about Cosell, we think about him now, were, were true at the time. Right. He was, he was, that's where he was in his prime, arguably, maybe the 80s, even maybe a little more, maybe. But no, at 70s was his prime, which is more reason why a, a nightclub comic <laughs> should, Lee, not whatever his name, should not be. Yes. Yeah. So the next shot we see is grainy footage of what I first thought was the Brooklyn Bridge. But then we see a stadium next to the bridge, which does not exist in New York City. or And did not in 1970s. And based on some not very tough research, figured out that this is Riverfront Stadium in uh, Cincinnati. And oh. that is the Roebling Bridge. And John mm -hmm. Roebling designed the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, well, you weren't that far off. Then. No. So, I, I, so it made sense that it looked like the Brooklyn Bridge because it was designed by the same guy. Uh, so this is where the Bengals play, and the Bengals are playing in this Monday Night Football game. Now we're back in a broadcast. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. So that is, I, I did not think twice about where that shot was. I just assumed it was, well, I assumed it was uh, Shea Stadium, where the Jets played at that time, because 
Otherwise, that would mean that Oscar and Felix flew out to Cincinnati. Right, so uh, <laughs> we, we have a listener. One of our new listeners gave us some uh, some uh, uh, problems with this episode from a uh-huh. very detailed football point of view mm-hmm. that I don't know. So I, I think the I think what we're supposed to if we don't assume what you just said, which is on which is silly, it's that the Jets are playing, I guess, in Cincinnati. And they're in New York covering the game, and they're just establishing that the players are in Cincinnati for no clear reason. But the Monday Night Football would never do that. The whole no. point is you have the broadcasters in the press booth at the stadium. Oh, would not true. broadcast the game. Yeah, so it, you're right. It doesn't make sense. And 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 I'll I'll, I'll I'll read with you what. Yes, we have somebody who pointed out that it implies that Felix at Felix went with Oscar to Cincinnati to cover the game, which is dumb. Right. That I mean, happen. It, it's possible, but they that would involve a lot more business than they. Yeah. So they uh, it, it feels like they were trying to establish that. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Or maybe they didn't care. I, I don't think they care that it made sense. <laughs> I don't think the producers want us to believe that everyone here is in Cincinnati. I don't. Rune Aroj did not fly to Cincinnati for the game. I don't believe that. No, you're right. Right. Unless he flew to every Monday night football game. But it makes show. that's why it obviously means that the that the Jets are playing a home game. Right. So that's it, the easy yeah, explanation. I think that's true, and I think they just for some reason somebody footage, yeah. and the Odd Couple production or somebody wanted Paramount. To, Paramount AB, wanted ABC wanted to show Riverfront Stadium. I don't know why. It does not make sense. I agree. Either way, it's something's wrong. Right. There's no reason to believe they're in Cincinnati, and if they're in the New people York, writing the episode clearly had nothing to do with the selection of the footage. There's no reason to believe in Cincinnati. They're in Cincinnati, and if there's in New York, there's no reason to show the Cincinnati Stadium. Right. And I'll give you what our listener wrote in a little bit later. Uh, so we're inside a broadcasting studio. We see Cosell talking to Rune Arledge, who created Monday Night Football. He ran ABC Sports, and then eventually ran ABC News. Another celebrity cameo. Yes, right. He's a he, and he's a you know he was he's a, he's a I don't I know, even he's, recognize. Who. I'm not sure at the time what his stature was compared to where in the 80s, where when we were growing. Actually, up. didn't he take over the whole network? He wasn't just he started in sports. Sports, and then, and then he took over news. Yeah. He never ran the whole network, but he did become a major ABC yeah. player. So I guess the fact this is a chance for the ABC show, The Odd Couple, to like they're they're already promoting Cosell, who's a right. big network star, right? And I guess they're having Rune not not that there's a huge Rune fan club out there, but it lends kind of some authenticity, it does, like, and credibility. It does to, yeah. to this Monday Night Football, and maybe he was well known, especially because of he did create Monday Night Football. He probably got a decent amount of press at the time, and probably was known inside. The Holly, you know, Hollywood circles yeah. and a piece. This is like a big commercial, big plug for Monday Night Football, basically. Right. It's Which, of course, is <laughs> unnecessary because they had <laughs> far they, more viewers than the Odd Couple. <laughs> right, right. Monday Night Football should be promoted the Odd Couple. Exactly. Uh, so we see Oscar showing off his yellow ABC coat that we always saw Howard Cosell wear to Felix, who even in New York, there's no reason for him to be in that studio, by the way. Again, like he was the first time. <laughs> right. The sleeves are too long. But Oscar says to Felix, if I'm good, they do the alterations. Felix is looking at the notes Oscar has on a yellow pad or yellow papers from and and says, Oscar, I've been reading this material you got from Joey Bernie. Are you really going to do this stuff? Oscar says, it cost me $35. Felix says, I think you'll get more laughs with the jacket. 
Oscar says, will you cut it out? I'm going to make mincemeat out of the guy. Look how smug he is in there. I'm going to tear him apart. <laughs> Felix says, with typewriter insults, you're going to tear him apart? Oscar says, Felix, this is my big chance. You see that guy in there? That's Rune Arledge. He's head of the whole sports department. He's going to be watching me. Now we flip to Rune Arledge and Howard Cosell talking. And Rune Arledge says, now look, Howard, I know you don't like Madison, but give the guy a chance, will you? If he's any good at all, we'll have him back and we'll really let him have it next week. Howard says, okay, Rune. As a matter of fact, I think you're right. I'll give him every courtesy and consideration. Besides, I'm kind of curious to see how he'll do. You know, he's really not a bad sort. Rune just says, no, I think you'll like him. Get ready, will you? We have three seconds to go. They're rowing the opening. Good luck and be great. Howard says to the audience now, hello again, everyone. This is Howard Cosell. We're waiting the start of a preseason clash between Paul Brown's unbeaten Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals, Bengals and a rebuilding New York Jets football team. And now we're going to play the final clip. The Giffer, Frank Gifford would be my sidekick tonight, but the Giffer has been sidelined, clipped by the flu bug. It's my pleasure to say, however, that we have the pleasure of bringing in a new voice in the sportscasting horizon tonight, the winner of many journalism awards, and I think perhaps the most knowledgeable and responsible sports columnist of them all, Mr. Oscar Madison. Thanks, Needle Nose. <laughs> Listen, Howard, is that a new jacket you've got on there, or did you just have the old one repainted? <laughs> Oscar, as an acknowledged expert on professional football, how do you see tonight's game? A lot better than you do without your glasses, four eyes. <laughs> I never miss your radio show. I never hear it, so I never miss it. Yes, sir, Howard, you've got a great voice. It grates on everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back for the opening kickoff in just one moment. That was just a warning. No, I'm going to kill this shot. That's terrific, huh? What do you think you're doing? Aren't you listening to the man? He's done nothing but say nice things to you. He's a pussycat. It was nice, wasn't he? Well, of course, and there you are insulting him. I wasn't him. listening. I was paying attention to this. He's rotten. Joke from us. Tear him up. The man was so nice to you. You know what you just did? For the first time in broadcasting history, you've got an audience rooting for Howard Cosell. Well, Rune, did you hear it? I tried to be nice, and what I got was a cut-rate, lowercase Don Rickles. The man is obviously an insensitive dope. Yes, I heard it, and you're right. I thought you handled it beautifully. I thought you acted like a prince. As far as I'm concerned, Howard, whatever you do from now on is up to you. Handle it the way you want. You got it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Horst Muleman of the Cincinnati Bengals teeing up the ball for the kickoff. And I must say, Muleman has quite an interesting story behind him, doesn't he, Oscar? That's right, Howard. That's right. Muleman is just one of the many fine soccer-style kickers we've got from Europe. Didn't you once write in a column that the soccer-style kickers would never make it in the NFL, Madison? Well, that was about five years ago. You know, they Of have... course, 2020 hindsight. Number 12, Joe Namath, quarterback for the New York Jets. Out on the field now, ready to move his team. Namath has just thrown a 19-yard pass down the middle. What's your view of Namath this year, Madison? Pretty good, Howard, pretty good. That knee doesn't seem to be giving him that much trouble, huh? Don't you remember that great exclusive of yours just one year ago announcing Joe Willie's retirement from football? 
changed his mind. Oh. Never mind. A jet lineman apparently injured on the play. Oh, that was a great pass against a terrific Bengal defense. How do you know it's a terrific defense? Well, they play a great seven-man zone. Who told you about it? Nobody. I know all about zones. Where do you think I'm betting $100 and laying seven points on the Bengal? I don't believe I said that. <laughs> betting $100 and giving seven points on the Bengals. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. A bare-faced admission of professional football wagering. I suspect, Madison, that the commissioner of the NFL, Alvin P. Roselle, is awaiting your explanation. Well, you see, I was, I was, I was, I was in this bar. Say something. Well, I was in this bar. In this I wish some relative of yours would die and leave you some wax fruit. <laughs> I'd like to see Evil Knievel jump over your Bermuda shorts. You know your Lautrec is too loose? commercial one of us will be back let's put up a minute spot on mental health so during oscar's very nice uh, howard's very nice intro of oscar he has oscar has this giant smile on his face <laughs> that you know says i can't wait for you to stop talking because i'm going to destroy you with my verbal jabs yeah uh, and uh, after goes after Oscar goes out of the studio during the break in the sh in the actual uh, in the real show, but in the Monday Night Football, Bilks uh, tears up the notes because he doesn't want Oscar to use them because Oscar is completely screwing this up. But then after Cosell starts to humiliate uh, Oscar, Bilks comes in now with all the sheets that are torn <laughs> up, which is why all the jokes are screwed up. Yes, yeah, and it is it, it's it's a funny gag, but. It is strange, you know. It's it's so much like it's like a replay of the last Cosell, the first Cosell episode. Yes, it's the same same situation. Like they're in the booth together, and Oscar somehow remember the first time Oscar never got to say anything because he wasn't expecting. He wasn't actually co. Yeah, that's a difference. Uh, he was he wasn't officially co-hosting Monday Night Football. He was just next door uh, doing his own reporting and went in because he wanted because they had to apologize, do all the talking. And then Cosell uh, sprung it on him to put the microphone, to right. put him on the air. Yes. And Oscar froze. And then Felix jumped in and did his crazy monologue. Yep. And he identifying himself as Oscar Madison. Yeah. But this is weirder because Oscar has been identified. He is doing, he's been talking. And all of a sudden, Felix jumps in as if he is Oscar. And yet the, the viewers at home would certainly notice the difference. If this really happened in Monday Night Football, it'd be one of those famous Monday Night Football incidents that would just yeah. go on oh. in history that would continue to make Felix funny. Uh, 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 a right, pop right. culture, he'd be like Zelig, he'd just shopping <laughs> up, popping up. He's on ruining various shows. shows, right? Exactly. Um, so uh, also, it's I mean the fact that some guy can just barge into ABC's Monday Night Football and start talking <laughs> is ridiculous. Hey, do you so, know something else weird? Whatever happened to Alex Karras? Now Felix, now Oscar's filling in for Frank Gifford. Yeah, well, it's the question is whatever happened to Frank Gifford, not Alex. Now Alex. No, Karras. but I mean, like the the whole setup was that he Oscar would be filling in for Alex Karras. Right. But you say and whatever. The question is whatever happened to Frank Gifford. Well. Anyway, but the point is that they set that up, and then when, just now when Cosell introduced Oscar, he set it up by saying. Gifford, Frank Gifford is oh, on a, is out. I see what you're saying. Right, he, you're right. He, and, yes. and so 
they just wanted to. I don't know. They, it's like they re. It's like they added Alex Carrison later, and they forgot to change the script. That's that's true, right? <laughs> they, right. Frank Gifford should be here. You're right. I understand what you're saying now. Right. It doesn't make it. It's it's really about both of them is the problem. Yeah. So here's what our listener said is wrong with the game footage. Um, I, I can't vouch for this. I just have to trust you saying. He says there's a panoramic shot of an open air stadium, which appears to be municipal stadium in Kansas City where the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> Great. So now they flew to Kansas City. He says people wearing red sports coats in the foreground would also lead it to being a Kansas City home game. He says the Cincinnati Bengals come out in their away uniforms. The players are wearing jackets and the coaches have winter coats on with the Buffalo Bills behind them. While Howard Cosell announces this is a preseason matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and Jets, which would be in August. That the last football clip is Namath completing a pass to Rich Castor. The problem is Cincinnati is now wearing their home brown shirts. And the game being on artificial turf would be in Cincinnati since Shea Stadium is real grass. Which would imply that Felix and Oscar have flown to Cincinnati to do Or that. Kansas City. Uh, right. Or that they're broadcasting two different <laughs> games. They clearly or a total of four different teams. The the need to put footage in here was yeah. seems rushed and not well thought yes, out. Right. You'd think they'd have better options because they are ABC. Right. They own a lot of. Well, but, maybe it's an NFL issue. I don't know. I guess. Could be. Um, but well, that is that is very astute. Uh, that is a football fan right there of uh, vintage seventies football, definitely. So now we're at the tag. We're in the living room. We see Murray. We see everybody. Murray, Matino Royo, Rune Arwood, Jack Harder, and Howard Cosell. They're all wow, in the Honestly, though, in real life, what a party that would be. That yes. That would be wild. Uh, Oscar hands Howard a piece of paper and says, and here's where you are, Howard, in tomorrow's column. And Howard, uh, Oscar quotes, his insults and barbs are just a small part of a big man, a man whose style is totally unique. Howard Cosell has the attention of 40 million Americans every Monday night. Howard Cosell says, what are you trying to do, Madison? Ruin my image? Oscar says, "It's possible. if possible, listen, I want to thank you for copping out for me on the air. Not sure Howard, I don't know what that means. Howard says, don't mention it. I knew you were nervous. I can understand it. After all, you were sitting next to me. And then the DVD version ends right there. <laughs> uh, yet again. So, and uh, why is that, Ted? Because in the full episode, there's a music cut, which we did. I did look at, but I'm not playing because I just, we don't care. But at the real end of the show, Felix says, we have a wonderful surprise. And then Martino Arroyo sings the song for once in my life. Yes, which was a famous Stevie Wonder song. Uh, and the song that Stevie Wonder made famous. And she does sing that very well. And that's where it ends. Well, this is an even worse cut ending, uh, ending flub or whatever you want to call it, than the uh, square dance one, right? We saw this oh. before with the, that they, uh, the Pernell Roberts episode when uh, the, the show just like just uh, uh, faded out in mid sentence before Pernell Roberts could sing uh, Cocktails for Two. This is even worse than that. You know why, Ted? Because this was actually the last Odd Couple episode taped. Oh, really? This was taped after after Felix remarries, which was the official uh, series finale. They actually, for some scheduling reason, still had to tape three more. Oh, or two more. 
wait, uh, three more, yeah. So, and the way it worked out is this is the one they did last. And is that- now, I've been I've been holding this all for the whole hour, Ted, because uh, this may be actually the reason, one of the reasons behind the mess, the cluster of, of guest stars, is that like they kind of had to get them all in one episode because time <laughs> had run out. Uh, that's my theory, at least. That, uh, but so there's a lot of weird things about this being the last episode, but it just was that they taped, and the. Um, What's odd about well, two things I want to say. One is this aired, as you mentioned, January 1975. But actually, that what that means is they had finished, they were done by January, even though uh, it was on the air for another two months. Right. Oh, into that's... March. So they, for some reason, just, and I, I have a feeling this probably was why would they come back after Christmas? It's like I, the, I, have, I have another, I have made yet another chart. Like I did for season, what was that? Season three, I think. Um, and you can tell they like kind of clearly were just rushing to get these done by Christmas, and they because they knew it was over. There's some like in some of the interviews they say there was like a slight chance the network the networks what well, didn't want to cancel them yet. And we'll talk about this with Felix remarries, but I mean, Gary Marshall clearly wanted to end it, and that's why they oh. had. The Felix remarries episode, but in the back of their minds, he said they knew that if they had to, they come up with a reason for Felix to leave to for Gloria to kick him out again. Is but, that why they started episodes at the end of season four, producing maybe. season five? See, that's why. Yeah, I was I was floating this uh, earlier when we talked about that. That for some reason, like Gary Marshall knew the clock was ticking or wanted it. I think Gary Marshall was moving on to Happy Days, and he and Klugman apparently was already in you know in the works to had Quincy in the works. Uh, so, so anyway, so that's really weird that they rushed all these through, um, and then ended up with this one, which is clearly not, would not have been one of their favorite episodes. And it's not one of our favorite episodes, I, I gather. Um, but the one good thing then, this is, what this leads me to is the final song that you are deciding not to play, which is your choice, but others might want to watch that song again because out of context it's just like a, a kind of a lazy tag it's like let's just have someone sing a song which they do for a lot of musical guests but the fact that it's this very tender love song for once in my life uh there's someone who needs me lines like i'm not alone or and then visually what happens is felix is at the piano as he it's tony randall's fake piano playing as he did for her aria. And so the, the image on screen is uh, Martina Arroyo standing next to Felix while he's playing the piano. And then Oscar, during the song, walks over to the piano and stands next to Felix. So I'm very convinced that Gary Marshall and the whole team knew that they knew this was their last episode. And they this song is really kind of their goodbye to the show, more so than Felix remarries. Uh, because the song ends up being about their friendship. Okay, fine. I will. How about this? I will play the song. You want me to play the song? Um, why don't we? Why don't we just uh, tack it on the end of the podcast? No, I'm going to play right. It's an option. Okay. 
So I think in, yeah, when you know it's the last thing they ever taped, it's actually quite touching to see Oscar come stand next to Felix while uh, she's singing that. And the audience applauding at the end, which they would do anyway, I'm sure, but uh, they probably also know that this is the last episode. Uh, I also think that's why everyone's at the party, like everyone's there in the apartment, Cosell, Rune Harlech. It's like, it's like a guy that's like a party, you know, they're for the show. Like Jack Carter and all his contributions to the show. <laughs> no, I know. Well, for the purposes of that episode, at least, you know, it's kind of like, makes sense to just have everyone. Uh, I did not know any of this. You've, you've provided a very interesting analysis here. Oh, thank you, Ted. Yes. I would love to get on. I know we want, you know, it'd be nice to have David Steinberg or somebody on, a, on our podcast, which we can discuss that that's what we want to do. After. He's got a book to plug. I'd love to get somebody from ABC or Paramount in the 70s who knows yeah, right. not and not, I mean, maybe the listeners know something also or read something, but somebody actually worked at one of those places who could really provide us and remembers these little details about mm -hmm. why things were scheduled or shot the way they were. Yeah. Does the book the book never the book just gives us the order which it doesn't is, like have any analysis about no i mean in this case he does and i wouldn't have said this if he if uh, he really did confirm he says uh mr uh, gross edward gross he says um oh, maybe we can get him since on. this was the last episode produced it was a nice way for everyone to wrap up their work on the show wonder if he maybe maybe he maybe we can get him on all right well anyway that's interesting to know it's a weird to go out this way um <laughs> and i think the episode it's not as bad as it could be I, I always forget that there's there is like a good couple of scenes here that are funny especially in the second half without martina arroyo no offense to her but i just again as i said before i don't watch the show to hear people singing there's other ways to get that yes. um and Cosell is good again, even though, as you point out, it's the same joke. And Jack Carter, he's not as funny as the other guy that Oscar brings in. To right. Jokes for the character named Harvey Skolnick. That's for the a. That's a. for Harvey Howard. Miller. That is for that's Howard. That's for Cosell. David Steinberg. David Steinberg, right. David, which right. is also a replay, right? This is their yeah. using accent gag again. Yeah. Right. right. That's for right. Yeah. The so, comic, yeah. Um, and it does feel more like Martina Arroyo was shoved into a Howard Cosell episode than. Then yeah, some sort I totally of agree. Right, planning. she's not necessary. No, she could have been. They could have had many plot devices to get. All it is is like to get Cosell to do this favor, but it's like that's not even a big. They didn't even have to have that. Like, and it I happened to the first five minutes. 
And if they did have them both in separate episodes, that would mean that some other episode wasn't produced. And what would the storyline have been for those two individual episodes? And I wonder. Well, uh, uh, the book by Edward Gross does quote Gary Marshall, basically confirming what you did. You know, you found another Gary Marshall quote saying, so maybe I'll just read this quickly. Gary Marshall told Edward Gross that Tony misbooked that week and I, like as if Tony Randall was in charge of the booking. Tony misbooked that week and I said, you can't put Martina Arroyo on. We've got Howard Cosell booked. He said, well, you'll have to do something to fit her in. And I said, I've got to write a story that fits in Howard Cosell and an opera singer. And he said, what can I do? I'm too embarrassed to tell her. So we did the show. Oh, so maybe uh, there was, maybe, so this was a Howard Cosell episode that Martina Arroyo was pushed into. Shoehorned into, yeah. Right. Uh, and then maybe there were, okay, so he must have been, I'm going to guess Tony Randall was at some party with her and said, yes, you can come yes. on our show. Right. And then, <laughs> and that's just, and, and that, maybe Tony didn't know that this was, they were like, that's it. There is no more. Right. <laughs> you oh. ain't got no more odd couple place. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been struggling on whether to give this a two or two and a half Murray's. Like, I don't think it deserves under a two because of the, the, the final scene with Howard Cosell, which is funny uh, enough. Um, and I went into this podcast giving it two and a half. I don't know. What do you give it? I may <laughs> Sounds like you're still I there. I, um, I don't know. I want to hear what you give it. Maybe I would, I, I would give it a, I pretty much agree with you. And I'd give it a three, oh, uh, okay. partially for the sentimental reasons that I've expressed that knowing when you know it's the last episode, I don't know, you could also say that makes it more disappointing. Yes, that makes it more, <laughs> I, I think that I think that right. Way. But um, I give it a three because Cosell is great in it, even though it's not as good as the other Cosell. And uh, she is a misplaced guest star, but is very nice in it. Um, so but I, yeah, I still, I have some affinity, some affection for it, so I'll give it a three. I guess I'll stay with two and a half. Yeah, you do that. Okay. Well, if you have any information and feedback on this episode that we missed or something you would like to share with us, you can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. Uh, we did get another great review on iTunes recently, which uh, we thank yes, thank you for, and uh, if you could continue to do that. It does seem to me, Garrett, in the, in the emails we're getting, there's a new wave of fans coming on because I'm getting emails saying, oh, I'm binging oh. your podcast. I just found oh, your great. podcast. And somebody wrote a very nice thing on Facebook saying that they were they showed pictures of Central Park and they were bicycling listening to our podcast. Oh, so I, it feels like now that we've done 80, like this is like our 81st episode. Well, I'm about to say, yeah, it's, it's not too late to uh, uh, to start listening to well, us. And, and of course, when we're done. There's anyone could find this that's podcast right. a year from now as they start to look for that's what I've done. I make found. sure it is still available that at any point there's, there's nothing future, we we don't as have to long make, as there is an internet. Yeah, we don't have to make sure of that. It just oh. is. We as have to actively take it down. Internet. Yes. It will be available. And uh, but listeners should know that we actually um, let's see, we only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven left. Yep. And we, we will discuss what we're going to do after that. You and I have to figure that out soon. Yes, I know. In a, you know before the All in the Family podcast, what else will we do with the All in the Family? Right. Mm -hmm. right. 
Okay. Uh, by the way, you do an all Dumont TV podcast. All the Dumont. Shows. How am I going to get those clips exactly for <laughs> live TV? Uh, by the way, Garrett, your house is furnished in questionable taste. One day, Ted, I will jump over your Bermuda shorts.